Y'all are, man, y'all are hard to break the ice with today. Uh, but anyways, let's get into the Word because that's what I'm, I'm best at. And next year, uh, we'll have a better game host than me. And, but if, we're, if you got your Bibles with you, go ahead and turn with me into Matthew chapter number 4. Uh, Matthew chapter number 4 again. And actually, we're going to be in John 15, uh, 5 today as well. And so, uh, if you will, just turn in uh, your Bibles with me to there. It's also going to be on the screen for you. We're in this series um, now, we have titled Multiply, and uh, I hope that it's been challenging for you. I hope that uh, you have, uh, have learned some things, but I want to uh, just personally give a shout out to all of you dads out there. Um, thank you for what you do. Uh, if it was not for my earthly father, uh, there's no telling where I would be at. I uh, was able to spend some time with him this weekend. Um, and uh, we, we were just able to, to enjoy each other's company and, and we got to go to my nephew's birthday party all at the same time. And so it worked out great to be able to see the whole family this weekend for the first time, and uh, I guess since Christmas. And so uh, that, that was awesome for us uh, just to, to spend yesterday with them. But thank you for what you do. Um, thank you for all of our mentors out there, uh, you that... that um, I had the desire to become a father one day. Like it is a it is a privilege um, to do life and with you and as your pastor. And so I can't thank you enough. But as we continue this series, you know, if you um, if you think about it this morning, things have absolutely changed in the world, have they not? Um, all over the spectrum. Like I, I remember um, of hearing stories growing up and and talking to my dad and and even. Uh, yesterday, a little bit on our way uh, to the post office, and, and to re- this is what he does. Okay, he goes to the post office, to the recycling center every single Saturday morning. Like that's what he does. So I, I did his routine with him, and uh, we went to Golden Corral yesterday morning and had the uh, Freedom of Buffet, and uh, uh, just to, to spend some time together. But I, I remember uh, hearing about it. And I asked Dad about it yesterday. Um, there, there used to be a milkman and an eggman that came to the house. Every single week. Did you know that? Like, back in the day, uh, you know, back in the day when I was living, uh, I'm still living, but back in my day, (laughs) uh, I remember uh, when, can you imagine saying that? Like, I remember when the egg man used to come to my house and and deliver fresh eggs and deliver those, uh, that fresh milk. I don't know about you, uh, but our milk has been running out of date like five days sooner. Has anybody had that happen to you? I'm glad we're not alone, babe. Uh, so your brother definitely was not lying when he told us that. Uh, but I, I would venture to say that, that things were cheaper back then, too. You know, like, your eggs were, were dirt cheap, and your milk was dirt cheap. I remember, I remember gasoline being as low as 97 cents a gallon. Now, some of you, we're not going to show your age, uh, uh, but you may be remembering a lot lower than that, but we're not going to talk about that today. Uh, I remember... Uh, my dad used to talking about uh, when they had phone calls, there was something called a party line. Anybody ever heard of the party line? And you shared, you shared uh, like, I guess you shared phone numbers. Is that right? And, and so when you got on the phone, if somebody uh, was on it, like you couldn't use it. You couldn't dial out. Uh, that's crazy to me. Uh, like you can eavesdrop on somebody's conversation all day. That's weird, man. Like uh, no privacy there. Uh, so I, I think about all of these things and how inconvenient some of them are. Other the Eggman's great. Hey, like that, that would be cool. That's like almost like Walmart delivery back in the 50s. Um, that's pretty cool. But, but think about it today. 
Now we have our own individual phone lines. We have phones that go in our pockets. Like we've moved in, in, to, in today's world from a party line <laughs> uh, to a single line to use to carry a, a big briefcase of a phone to your car so you can have <laughs> a car phone to, to now you've got these little gadgets uh, that have everything on it. Um, now we have phones that connect to our watches. Uh, we have video calls where you can call across the, the world if you want to. We have all kinds of opportunities, and, and this is my thought this week. How dramatically things have changed. You know, about 14 years ago, I remember when I was in Bible college, I got my first smartphone, um, 2009. I also remember my first video sermon that I had to submit to a church. That was scary stuff. I remember sitting back and watching that and said, Lord, I sure hope this is not the future because I can't stand to listen to myself talk. Now we're streaming across the world every single Sunday morning on a camera. Not to mention during COVID-19, that's the only way we could get messages out to our membership and to our church every Sunday morning. Uh, wow, times have changed. But change happens when it comes to our lives. Not only uh, is change inevitable, but did you know, or inevitable, I said that wrong, did you, did you know Jesus wants us to change today? You know, not, not only does he want us to change physically, he wants to change us from the inside out. Do you understand that? He, he wants to, to be the change agent in your life. So here we are in week three of, of, of this series. We've walked through how Jesus calls ordinary people to do extraordinary things. Uh, we saw that follow, with them following Jesus. We saw that um, where it starts at the cross, where uh, we repent of our sin, where we leave that all behind and, and follow Jesus, our forgiver, who is the author and leader of our life. And at the end, I mentioned... Uh, last week, that we have to fire our old boss, which is us. Uh, because we, we like to control ourselves. We like to control our lives. And, 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 and then this is the thing. We have to cling to the new boss, which is who? Jesus. Y'all sound passionate about that today. Uh, Jesus. Hey, today we are going to go through how Jesus calls these followers to be changed uh, because he wants to change us. And so we are going to go back to this passage for the series, Matthew chapter 4, and then in a few minutes we're going to, we're going to flip to John uh, chapter uh, 15. Matthew chapter 4, 18 and 19. Jesus said this, and Jesus walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter, his brother Andrew, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. We are going to look at that statement, make you today. Make you the key, the key phrase, follow me, and I will make you. You know, Jesus wants to change us. He wants to develop us. He wants to mold us. He wants to transform us. He wants us to be everything and anything that we could possibly be in Him. He wants to change our beliefs. He wants to change our character today. He wants to change the integrity. He wants to change every 
thing about us. And it's not about what we change, but it's what we change into. And so I, I want you to think about this uh, very important point as we go into uh, this message today. And number one today is followers change to look like Jesus. Followers change to simply look like Jesus. Romans chapter 8, verse 29. I want to give you a few passages. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Did you catch that? The verse says, to be conformed to the image of his Son. He wants us to be like Him. Followers change to look like Jesus. If you want to be a disciple of Jesus, your first thing you have to do after accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior is every day try to be a better version of who Jesus is. It's that simple. Now, are we going to fail every day? Absolutely. <laughs> Uh, is there going to be moments where we don't necessarily look like Jesus all the time? But we need to do our best every single day to look like Him. That was the plan from the very beginning. That is God's plan for us. That is why He rescued us. He rescued us to be uh, His mouthpiece, to be His voice, uh, so, so that others will see Jesus in us. And He wants us to resemble Him in every way, whether that be uh, the lifestyle that you live at home, uh, whether that be the lifestyle you have at a restaurant or on the vacation. Remember, as a follower of Jesus, we have to resemble Him. Jesus should be seen in us. Every uh, form or fashion. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, But we all, with unveiled face, beholding, as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord and being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. It, this, is, this is what it is. It's what it's going to be like in heaven. You know, think about it. It's what God has destined for us, even here on earth. And so uh, God's goal for uh, followers of Jesus Christ today is to change us into the image of His Son. Um, but here's the question before I go any further today. As far as looking like Jesus, how are you looking today? As far as looking like Jesus, how are you doing? Um, how are you doing with your spouse? How are you doing with your, with your kids? Are you, are you transforming to be like Him. How are we doing when it comes to love, joy, peace, patience, uh, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control? How, how are we doing? How is that looking like Jesus right now for you? know, God, God has us. I remember uh, several years ago, uh, we were living inside a house that the church owned and we had some plumbing issues underneath the house. And Tiff, you may remember the story. Uh, there were two older men in the church. This is We had a house that had carpet in the bathroom. And if you have carpet in the bathroom, I'm sorry. That, that's just, that's just weird. Like, I don't, I don't know why <laughs> things are... Uh, you know, when, when, you, when you get out of the shower, 
water gets everywhere. And so your carpet just stays wet. Like you would think eventually that would kind of rot out. But that's how they did things back in like the 60s, 70s, from what I understand. Uh, we, had, we had a house when we walked in that like had this banister, like almost like a jail cell when you walked in the house. And that was the wall dividing the, uh, what was it, the, the den and the kitchen. You know, why didn't they just put a wall up so it would be separated? Instead, you're looking through a jail cell. I could see Riley doing that today. Like, let me out and not realizing there's a walkthrough. Um, but that's, that's how the house was. But we had plumbing issues. And what do you know? There was plumbing issues in the bathroom where the carpet was. And uh, I remember a, a guy by the name of Linward Cowan. Um, his birthday was this past week, and I, I wished him a happy birthday. And uh, we started talking a little bit. But he crawled underneath the house with a guy named Gene Bullock. And Gene was like the Energizer Bunny of West End Baptist Church. Uh, this guy, uh, he could clean the church at 2 a.m. or 5 a.m. or 10 a.m., and he's going to have a big grin on his face and just look happy to be alive. And that was Gene Bullock. But I remember those two going under that house, and they dug out this trench under the house. And, and it had copper, uh, copper piping. I had never seen copper piping before. Okay, that shows my age. Uh, and so I walked underneath there with them or, or crawled underneath there with them, and they were showing me what the problem was. And so I let them do their thing. We came back. Um, I ended up being a, a good youth pastor, took them to lunch and all that, and we came back. And, and they were almost done with the product. And I went under there, and I looked at Linward and Jean. I was like, man, that's beautiful. And Linward says, it's only beautiful if it all works together. Now think about it. If you have a clog in the system, what's going to happen? It's going to get stopped up. You're going to have problems. Uh, it, it may start leaking. But if everything runs efficiently, then that water goes all the way through those pipes somehow. I don't know how, but it runs all the way through those pipes, and everything just works perfect. I don't know if you've ever seen a house being built before, but when you look at all of those plumbing and how they do things and all the wiring, you're like, how does all of that connect to that, and how is all that water going to get through there? But it does because it works efficiently. As a disciple of Jesus Christ, if we work efficiently, we can lead others to Him. But it has to be efficiently. It has to be all of us working together to do those things. You know, and so as plumbing, plumbing looks maybe don't even matter. It doesn't matter how, uh, how complicated it looks as long as it works. And when the pressure comes on, is it going to work? And so in our lives today, when the pressure comes, when the pressure comes to be more like Jesus... How are we doing? When it comes down to you and I looking like Jesus, appearances are one thing, but when we put it under pressure, that is when we're going to find out who we're made of. Reminds me of a quote I, I heard one time. Trials don't make a man, but rather what they, or rather they reveal what a man is made of. Let me say that again. Trials don't make a man, but rather they reveal what a man is is made of. So how are we looking? God's destined us followers to look like Him. That's His goal. But how does that happen? Go to John chapter 15. How do followers change to look like Jesus? There's a really special passage in John chapter 15 that we're going to dive in for the rest of this message today. 
John 15, verses 1 through 5. And Jesus is talking here. And this is what he says. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear fruit, more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in the vine. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. So how does Jesus change in our lives? I want to give you three things from this special text. Number one, or number, we're actually on number two for this morning. We will never change to be like Jesus on our own. You will never change to be like Jesus on your own. Let's just face that fact. We, we will never change to, to be like him on our own power. It just won't happen. We can try. Uh, there's two quotes from Jesus in this particular scripture that I, I just read to you that I feel like is of great importance to us. When Jesus says in verse 4, no branch can bear fruit by itself. But then Jesus says this, for without me, you can do nothing. So Jesus said it two different ways in this verse. Truthfully, we've probably experienced it hundreds of different ways in our lives. This figure out life on your own thing. Uh, we, we can follow our own path. We can follow our own heart. We can, we can follow all the directions that are, are given by other people. We can follow the wisdom. We can lean on our own understanding. Uh, but we need to understand the reality that if we go at this thing on our own, eventually we will derail. Hey, and if we try to separate ourselves from Jesus, the master of our life, who, who has the blueprint of your life in his hands, he has the master plan there, we are ultimately setting ourselves up for failure. And we talked a little bit about it last week when I said that we needed to tell our old boss, which is ourself, you're out of here. You're done. It's, it's about Christ. And I heard this said one time in my life too. Much of my learning to follow Jesus is my unlearning to follow myself. So often we are quick to follow self. We're quick to follow somebody else's uh, life or, or his, his uh, direction. But, but very rarely... Okay, and this is where it comes to the heart of the matter of our discipleship journey. Very rarely do we go to Jesus first when there's trouble. Am I right? Like we, we go to the TV. Uh, we go to Dr. Phil. Uh, we, we go to Google and say, hey, look, I, I've been Googling uh, all kinds of stuff this week. And uh, you, you can find anything on Google. I, I'm, just, like, I'm amazed. Whoever made Google, good job. Um, but it's cool stuff. But I shouldn't go to Google first if I have a, a, a Bible question. Uh, I, shouldn't, I shouldn't go to my dad if I have an issue. I should go to my father who is God, who I have constant 
communication with at any point in time that I want. But the problem is, his line's always open, and, and, and then sometimes, somehow, my line gets closed sometimes, where I don't want to listen. You know why? Because, I'm, one, I'm a man. I'm, I'm hard-headed. It's like a lot of us men in here. Let's just be honest. Uh, two, I like to do things my way. Men, uh, you probably can relate. Uh, uh, three, I don't ask for directions. Hey, just like a lot of us men do. And um, I, luckily, we have a, a great, uh, I'm not going to say Google Maps for you hunters, Apple Maps uh, that, that we can use at our fingertips. And this is the thing. We can't get to God through Apple Maps. We can't get to God through Google Maps. That, that shows Android or Apple the same. That, that it doesn't cut it. But here's the thing. If we, if we keep our communication line open, did you know he'll talk to you? He'll listen to you. He might smack you upside the back of the head a few times. But he'll, I promise you, you'll hear from him. Keep the line of communication open. This self-guided that, that we think we can, we can handle it, that we don't need anybody else, or this uh, know-it-all spirit isn't going to make us a follower of Christ. It just, it's not going to happen. I've experienced it. You've probably experienced it. If you haven't experienced, you haven't been a follower of Jesus long enough yet, it'll happen. Uh, no branch can bear fruit by itself. Apart from Jesus, you and I can do nothing. We just need to focus on that and get our hearts wrapped around that because this whole Christian life, following Jesus, we will never be able to do it on our own. And that rolls right into my third thought today. We need constant connection with Jesus. We need constant connection with Jesus. Notice that Jesus says here in verse 5, He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. You know, it, the, the most often repeated by Jesus is this, if you abide in me. Did you know that? Jesus said those words more times than anything else He ever said, if you abide in me. Meaning, if you remain in me, the abide meaning, this, this constant interconnection. And the standard is we remain. That we, don't, that we don't fall off, that we remain in Him. And as I said last week, it's not a when you want to, it's not a half in, half out approach. It is staying in the game. Imagine this branch that is firmly embedded, firmly woven into the trunk of this tree. And there may... Uh, or there, there may be a, a, a regular routine flow, um, this source of, of nutrition, of energy that comes up from that trunk, that feeds those branches, that makes beautiful branches, that may bear fruit, maybe it's apples or oranges or whatever it is. There is a huge source of nutrition that is there for all of that to happen. And in order to be there with Jesus... There has to be this firm belief because here's the thing. As, as uh, our college students are, are learning right now in, in college, like you're going to be tested. And there's going to be a day where you're just going to feel stumped. What are you going to do about it? If you're not firmly rooted, if you're not firmly rooted in your belief, 
then you could just break. So could you imagine that there is this branch that is sometimes bearing and then sometimes it doesn't bear fruit? That's the same that it looks like for our life. There are days where we may bear a lot of fruit. There are days where we may not bear fruit at all. But here's the thing. Jesus says there has to be this remaining. And that's a standard. That we remain, that constant connection. It can't be that I'm connected for a day and then I decide to separate for a few weeks and then I hop back on. Because that constant communication, that constant connection has to be there. So how am I supposed to remain in Jesus? I'm going to give you a few sources. The first is the Word of God, obviously. Like, that's got to be the most obvious answer. There has to be a constant communication, constant connection through the Word. That means you are routinely remaining in Jesus. I don't know what the statistic says now, but they always say on January 1st, you know, uh, X amount of people start a Bible reading plan, and by January the 10th, 70% of those have fallen off, and by day 31, 90% have fallen off that daily plan. If you're still in your daily plan, I'm proud of you. Uh, some of you are reading through uh, the Bible plan, as I, uh, I mentioned last week, that we're doing through the New Testament. Uh, we're in the book of Acts. We literally just started the book of Acts like three days ago. I think day three is today that we've started the book of Acts. Like You can jump on. Just read a chapter a day. You're going to keep with us. I promise. Uh, but I encourage you, make... Bible study, make time with God a daily routine. Because here's the thing. They say if you can make it past that 30 days, if you can make it to about 60 days, like it is wired in your brain to just read your Bible. You should try it. Um, it's the same thing with somebody that's learning to ride a bike. Riley is not going to get on her bike without her training wheels for the first time and not fall off that thing. It has to be a daily thing. Like, she can't go ride a bike, let it sit for three weeks like she does, and then expect to be able to ride it again. Or maybe it's a game of baseball. Maybe it's the game of football. Whatever it is, it takes constant practicing. Well, the Word of God is a good thing to practice with. Read it. It's not doing any good sitting on the mantle. Uh, and looking like a good book up there, it's not doing uh, any good sitting in your car from Sunday to Sunday. Like, open that thing. Read it. Because your constant communication, your constant connection can come from right there. Now, I know we have TVs and phones and all those things. You can use those as well. Uh, but there's nothing like holding it yourself, like in my opinion. But if you don't have access to like right now media and the things that we have here at the church let me know we'll get you uh, plugged in so you can have a constant communication constant connection with jesus through that we need a source a source a steady source of remaining in jesus and that can be done through the word of god but we also have communication through prayer and this is the thing about prayer though oftentimes we only pray when we need something is that right Oftentimes, it's only when we need it. I, I believe what the Bible says about prayer when it says we should pray without ceasing. Look, every single day, I try to just live my life through prayer. Because God knows if I don't stop praying, or if I, if I stop praying, like I'm going to mess it up. And so it may be in the car ride. 
It may be through the worshiping of music. It may be in the shower. Uh, Lord, help me to remember to wash my, my hair today. Or, you know, no, seriously, like, we, we have constant communication. We try to. Lord, if I'm, if I'm going to a meeting, Lord, let this, let this meeting go well. Let them see Jesus in me. Lord, if there's anything that gets set out of line, just help me show Christ. Keep me humble today. Like, it always doesn't have to be bad. But, but many times, the beautiful thing about connecting with God is that we can do it anytime, any place. You can do it driving in the car. You can do it walking. You can do it working out. You can do it when you're getting ready in the morning. You can do it when you're spending that dedicated time with God through reading the Bible. The communication never stops. But we also, to, to remain, we need a constant uh, understanding of the presence of the Holy Spirit. Every single person that is a believer in Jesus that has, has the Holy Spirit there to guide them. Like, ask the Holy Spirit to guide your steps. It's literally planted in you as a believer. And as His Spirit is there, this is the thing. Be open to His promptings and be willing to go where He leads you. Because we need to listen intently and understand and discern the Holy Spirit. But I think there's a, a last way that we can remain, and that's just connection with His people. I don't know about you, but I, I love to talk, and sometimes talking can get me in trouble, as my wife says. Um, but it's Father's Day, and I can talk as much as I want, so I've got about 45 more minutes to preach to you today. <laughs> I, think, I think it's very important. This is, this is, this is our day. I can, I can preach how long I want to, and not one of y'all can say a thing. <laughs> it's, it's so important to... We'll, we'll be out of here shortly, I promise. It, it, is, it is so important that, that you surround yourself with Christian brothers and Christian sisters. You have to. And if you don't, it's going to be... Uh, it's going to be hard. And, and those who are going to lead you into a lifestyle... With Christ, don't surround yourself with people that are going to lead you into a lifestyle of sin. Don't do it. It's not smart. Like if you know you shouldn't hang out with this person because it's going to make me take a step further that I don't need to go, I'm not telling you never to talk to them again. But look, you got to get that connection out of there. If it's messing you up, you've got you to cut that branch off. God, is, God has told us that, that a way that we follow Him is by the way of being with other people that are like-minded with Christ. I'm not telling you don't have non-Christian friends because we have to connect with non-Christians in order to lead them to Jesus. But I'm telling you, be careful with how you interact with it. Uh, this is why I'm such an advocate to the local church. I, I believe in the local church. I believe in the family of the local church. And I believe in the corporate worship that a, that a local church will do to help lead you through this thing we call life. Because look, if I'm going through something, it's typically not my dad that I text anymore. It's typically not my dad that I call anymore. I have my family here at Cross Life that I know I can call at any time. Five years ago, planting the church when you're all alone on, the, on, on, on 5th Street and Spencer, uh, there was nobody else to call. And so he was my call. He was my lifeline. But I've got a family that I can rely on right here at my home to help me through the struggles. 
He's probably thankful I don't call him every day with stuff now. Uh, the people of God is what keeps us on track as disciples and believers in Christ. So we remain, him, we remain in Him through the Word of God, through communication with God, through the presence of God, and connecting with His people around us. And these are all critical, just like the branch cannot go back to the trunk once it's fallen off. We need to do the same thing in our relationship with God today, and that's to stay connected. Last point this morning. When He prunes... We bloom. When he prunes, we bloom. In, in, in verse 2 of John 15, Jesus says these words. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. I love that. Did you catch it? Every branch that bears fruit. If you are bearing fruit, listen, He's going to prune you. He's going to. So that you can be even more fruitful. I've seen it time and time again in the local church. I've seen it time and time again in my life. Where are you in that journey right now? Are you in this accumulation stage uh, of fruit where you're bearing fruit? Or is God pruning some things out of your life to get you ready for the next season of blooming? Maybe today God will put it on your heart to prune those things away that doesn't need to be there anymore so that you can bear more fruit again. Maybe you are in a fruitful stage right now and you are uh, just accumulating to be a blessing to others and it's a beautiful thing in your life. But how do you prune? First, you've got to cut the dead branches. You absolutely have to cut the dead branches. Here, here's the thing about dead branches. They are producing, but we're used to them being there. Can you put the picture of the tree up? Is that next? Yeah. You probably can't see it very good. But if you look up here, there's a broken branch. That broken branch is just going to hang there most times. It's not going to fall off unless a windstorm comes through, hailstorm comes through, whatever happens. And eventually it'll fall off. But it'll hang there for a long time. And those broken branches are what some of us today are going to have to get rid of so that we can start bearing the fruit again. When we think about the dead branch, we think they're not that big of a deal. But in reality, absolutely they are. They can, can bring rotting. Uh, they can bring disease. A literal rotting branch can bring insects and worms to that tree to kill that tree. And you have to get rid of those. But then I found out this week, I never heard it before, but I started studying the anatomy of a tree. <laughs> and I found out there was something called a sucker. And I was like, man, that's where suckers come from. <laughs> but no, that's not, that's not where the candy comes from. Uh, there's suckers, branches, at the bottom of a tree. If you go out, I was looking around the big tree out, outside. If you go around that tree... Um, not, not on the base of the tree, but more towards 
uh, the middle part before, and that's a big old tree, so you got to really look at it. There's some, there's some branches that absolutely have no leaf, no nothing. It's just stemming off of that trunk that are doing absolutely nothing. This is the thing about the sucker. What do you think they do? They suck the life out of that tree. And those are the branches that we have to watch out for as well because they'll stop all of the nutrients to get to the branches that need to be bearing the fruit. They're consumers. They're not contributors at all. We have to get rid of those too. So maybe they're just hanging there, doing nothing. They're sucking the life out of you. Uh, think about your daily schedule. I had to think about mine this week. What are some suckers in the daily schedule that I've got to get rid of? What are things that just take my time? They have no eternal value at all. There is, there is something on the calendar. There is something during the week. What is, what is something that is taking up all of the time and energy and is, and is keeping you away from being able to be more fruitful? Maybe it's something that's keeping you from Bible study in the middle of the week. Maybe it's something keeping you from connection with other people through groups or whatever it may be. Our ladies' group meets this Thursday night. Don't, don't let a, a sucker of energy... Sucker in your calendar, keep you from, from meditating on the Bible this week with fellow believers. Don't let it do it. We understand schedules. If, you, if you're working, if you've got stuff to do, we get that. But don't let it take you away. But then, we also know that we have to get rid of what we would know as competition. What do I know by that? What do I mean by that? If you go back and look at a tree that is struggling to produce, you'll see all of these branches that look healthy, but they've got all of these branches that are stemming off from each other that are doing nothing. While the tree may look good, there's really nothing going on up there. And so we have to be very careful to make sure that we don't have so many branches going out of that tree that we can't keep up with the pace of life anymore. And guys, maybe this will preach to you. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, sometimes, on some, especially out there, if you look close enough, there's like five to seven different branches coming off one good branch. And it's keeping that tree from really blossoming. This is why discipleship is so important. I want you to get this today. It isn't the job of your pastor or your pastoral team or your leadership team to disciple the whole church. You know why? Because we cannot effectively do it. Did you know that an effective disciple can only disciple about three to five people at a time before he loses his effectiveness. I'm talking like one-on-one -on -one time. I'm not talking about Bible study. And, or even Bible study too, though. I mean, that takes up time. You can't, you can't like, I used to be the youth pastor. Like, I, I initiated a discipleship uh, into, into our youth group. And I had it on my calendar. 
And I took an hour with every guy in my youth group once a week. And I would disciple them. But did you know by about 10 or 11 meetings in a row, I lose my effectiveness. That's why it was so important for us to, to, uh, to move towards having a, a leadership team of our youth group to help, to help us out, to help me and Tiff out, because she would, she would be training up these girls. I'd be training up these guys. Well, what do you do when your group becomes 60? <laughs> you know, what, what do you do when they actually go, go bring people in? Because that's what they were doing every single week. Um, I mean, our, our youth group absolutely exploded from about 10 to, to 50 within about a year and a half on Wednesday night, like it, and it was because of effective disciples actually doing what, what their youth pastor and their youth pastor's wife was asking them to do, and they were going to invite anybody and everybody they could, and we were getting phone calls, hey, I need to be picked up, hey, I need to be picked up, and the next thing you know, we were running a three-hour route on Wednesday night to pick all these people up and to take them home, but we needed to raise up more. We needed to raise up more disciple makers. I also... Um, Understand this is the same thing on leadership. Um, I, I, I don't, Alan's not in here. I don't know. You must, you must be over in the kid, the kid wing right now. But um, Alan told me one time about a year ago that, that an effective leader really can only lead about five people well before he loses his effectiveness. That's why it's so important that we build leaders. We're not building leaders to take somebody else's job. We're building leaders to get ready for the future. But because of the competition that we think that's in our mind, that the war that's in our mind, thinking, oh gosh, pastor hates me or the leadership team hates me. They're trying to replace me. No, we're not trying to replace you. We're trying to help you. We're trying to build a team around you so that it can be stronger and it can be deeply rooted. Because there's no team out there that can be deeply rooted with just one leader. It just doesn't happen. We have to deeply root ourselves. So it isn't the job of one or two to, or, or five to disciple 200 people. It just can't be feasible. And, and you may feel bad. You may feel like you're missing out on something because you're not there in the game. But I tell you what, it is a beautiful sight for your pastor to sit back some days knowing that I've got people that are meeting one-on-one -on -one with people during the day. It's beautiful because we know we're being effective. God is all about growing the fruit in our lives. He wants to grow fruit. He wants to grow character. He wants to grow that integrity and that Christ-likeness inside of us today. But think about it. Pruning can never be easy. He prunes us to change us so that we can bear more fruit. And that's happened, uh, unfortunately, in our church uh, a few times in the five years that we've been, been in existence. It hurts. Sometimes it hurts to get rid of the, the, the branch that's pruning. But every time God does it, man, does He not show up. He shows up in a powerful way and does extraordinary things through, through the, 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 the work and the mission of the church. Some clippings can be easy. Let's just be honest. Some clippings can be absolutely, yeah, I'm going to get rid of that thing. But some are just hard. Maybe the easy ones are sin. Maybe the easy ones are wrong behaviors or attitudes. Those are always easy to prune. But when it's people you love and people that you have invested in, it is so hard. And there's times where I'm just like, God, what are you doing? But I can't see the future, can I? And the beautiful thing about the future is 
God holds the world in his hands, not Thomas. And so, maybe, maybe today you just need to, to go through your life and just think about it. It needs to be pruned. What, 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 what's active in my life? Like, what's the, what's the good stuff? And what's the bad stuff I need to get rid of? So, so today, the invitation is going to be super simple. Where are you at when it comes to being a devoted follower of Jesus? Because in order for us to multiply, we've got to have devoted followers of Jesus. And we've got to have people that aren't just barely following they're not just moderately following, but they are absolutely all in. So where are you at? Are you barely following Jesus? Are you moderately following? Or are you like, man, I'm, I'm all in. I want to be all in. And maybe you're not there yet, but you need to take the step today to say, I'm all in. Maybe that step is that you humbly and freely give yourself up to Jesus Christ and say, I'm, I'm yours. Maybe your step today is to make that faith public, to let the church know that I'm going to live for Jesus. And maybe that next step is to show the world in the baptistry who you're going to be. Maybe today, in order for you to be that follower, that, that person that's all in, there may be some pruning that needs to happen in your life in order to get there so that you can bear the fruit. What's it going to take? Maybe today you just need prayer. Maybe today you just need to come to the altar and have somebody pray over you. My question is, will you be obedient and come? Maybe today you just realize today that you're not a follower of Jesus at all. Jesus ain't in your life at all. And you need to give yourself up follow him. Would you do that today? Can we pray together? Lord, uh, we thank you. Lord, I just pray right now as our worship team comes and they lead us in a song of invitation that God, you would, you would move in hearts, you would move in lives. Lord, I know it's, I know it's difficult to think about that word surrender, to be all in. But God, I know just being a product of it, God, when I freely give myself up, you use us in ways that I can't even imagine. Lord, I've seen it time and time again here in your local church at Cross Life that when we have to prune back ministries or there's uh, dead branches that have to be gone, you always build it back to be fuller, and be blossom it for your glory. So Lord, today, let us look at our schedules. Let us look at our lives. Let us understand that everything that is good comes directly from your source. Lord, maybe today somebody is struggling in their relationship with you. They've never given their life.